We need your second opinion. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Back on the fan, going to 5 a.m., the warm-up show with Al and CeeLo, who's in for Jerry. Just got a text from Jerry getting the updates from him. Rutgers has landed from their trip from Northwestern. Big win for them. Uh, Jerry's going to go home and get some sleep uh, and get some well-deserved rest. So it'll be CeeLo in for him this morning with Al. We go to Steve on Long Island. Steve, good morning. How are you? Yes. I yes. love your show. Well, thank you. A couple of things. It is entertaining, I must say, no? It's very good. I've told you. Yes. Times. It's, uh, it's right up there with the best I've heard over 50 years. Well, thank you. I really do appreciate that, all kidding aside. Thank you. What's on your mind, Steve? I want to talk about the Jets, but I just want to tell you a similar story that I had at the Garden once. Uh, my son and, uh, and I went with uh, his best friend and his dad to a Nick game. We went together. We had four seats together. And his other best friend and his dad went to the game separately. We get to the game. We're seated next to each other, the four of us, and next to the other two in the entire garden. What are the chances of that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of these do happen like that. Obviously, it's a little different when you're meeting friends, when you're seeing an ex that you haven't seen in many, many years. So, uh, I don't know. But, yes, you're right. It's uh, the, the chances are slim, I would say. Very slim. And uh, my vote is that you should have been there with Omar. That would have been uh, a more uh, interesting. Uh, oh God, you're right. A Knicks game with Omar would have been great. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's my vote. But uh, Hector's a lunatic too. But Omar and Hector together at the at a Knicks game, they, they'd probably be insane. I th- it seems to me that Omar's more irrational than uh, Hector. But uh, so my vote is uh, right. Yeah. Anyway, getting where is Omar? By the way, Omar better be calling. He got his playoff game now with the Bills, as I'm sure he thinks his Bills are going to go win the Super Bowl. And the Knicks playing well. I want to hear from Omar. Yeah, I, I always get a great laugh uh, listening to him. But in any event, uh, long-time Jets fan, as you know. And uh, a couple of observations. One, every offensive coordinator for the Jets for the last 30 years has been run out of town. I can't remember a single offensive coordinator. Schottenheimer, Hackett, this one, that one. Schottenheimer's the only one to last more than two years, right? Uh, recently, uh, I read that. But he was run out of town, too. The letter, was a right, but he was here for a while. And he sucked anyway, Schottenheimer. Of all the guys well, you're going to keep forever, that's the one you keep? But the, the, but the offensive coordinators don't last. With the Jets, at least, they haven't lasted. They've gotten... They've gotten Nobody uh, does. Head coaches, coordinators, doesn't matter. This is where coaches go to die with the Jets. Right, but the, the bottom line is this. Whoever they hire as the offensive coordinator is not going to matter because I'm predicting that at this time next year we will be talking about the ex-Jet coach, Salah. One more year, he's out. There's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if you could get the odds on that on Superbook. Thank you for the call, Steve. Appreciate you checking in. Not sure why Steve is whispering, but whatever. We do appreciate the call. I, I, I mean, it's inevitable. We all know how this is going to end. We've seen it a million times. This is the first step toward another reset. If you're going to do it, just do it now. Which why, which is why I think firing LaFleur is a big mistake. There's no need to do that right now. It does nothing. It does nothing other than tick Salah off, potentially harm you 
going into next year as opposed to doing better for next year. Just stay the course for once, will you? Josh is calling from Rockland County. What's up, Josh? Josh, you with us? Mm, Josh going once. Oh, Josh fell asleep on us. Stewart, I know he never falls asleep. Stewart, do you believe? Stewart in Brooklyn, of course. Stewart, do you believe what happened to me at the garden? Mm, and you did you? How do you think you handled it? Um. Well, I think I handled. Like I said, on the on the outside, well. On the inside, not so well. What do you think? I mean, you weren't there, but use your best guess. How do you think I handle myself? Well, you handled it considering the situation and what you were and who you were with. You handled it pretty well. I mean, what am I supposed to do? There's only limited things I could do. No, you, what, what, what can you do? Yeah. I have no idea, but you want to know what? If you thought the way you handled it was the right way to go about it, so be it. You yeah, have- I think so. I mean, I said hello to everybody. I was nice. I was respectful. It was it was a pleasant meeting. I mean, that's not the issue. The issue is just when you, when something like that happens, when you don't expect it, with somebody that had that much of an impact on you many, many years ago, it is startling. There's no other way around it. Well, I had an incident like that. Now, this is exactly what I want to hear about. Talk to me, Stuart. All right, I'm going to talk to you. I was going out with a girl I met in Baruch College in August 31st of 1971. I love this stuff. Go ahead. Here we go. Now, we dated up until Valentine's Day of 72, and we broke up. Hmm. Okay. I thought I'd never see her again. Come December 1973, and I was bowling at Sterling Bowl in Lake Success Shopping Center, right right in the shopping center, there's a bowling alley. Yeah. I was bowling there, and who walks in with another guy? Oh! Oh, uh, how was the anger meter that day? Where was the rage meter at? Uh, infinite. Oh! <laughs> Went through the ceiling, and when we were leaving, we left at the same time. Did you now? Did you say anything to her when you saw no, her? No, I didn't. I okay. said nothing. Oh, you just held that rage in, huh? Yeah, you got it. You and saw her. You saw her with her new man, and you're thinking, yeah. oh. Yeah. So I, we left at the same time, mm. and guess what happened? Leaving the bowling alley, you punched her new boyfriend. No, oh. he cut me off. Oh, with the car or like? Yeah, with the car. Did she flip you the bird too, or? No, but uh, they almost ended up in the median on the way down Union Turnpike. Wow. Did you ever talk to her again? No. Uh, now, why no, they, they almost ended up in the median. Yeah. No, I, I got you. Oh, you, know you I mean, mean you almost, you almost rode, in the median? You almost rode them off the road? Yeah, I almost ran them off. <laughs> I almost ran them off. Uh, better almost oh, yeah. than, you know, we, oh, yeah. we know you've had yeah, some incidents yeah. and before. And then I said to myself, if I had only had my father's Plymouth Fury with the 300 horsepower, they could have been uh, DEAD. Right, Stuart, that would have been three kills for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, but this would have been before the other one. Oh, this would have been before the Supreme. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart, come on. Oh, you set it up for me. I'm crying. I am actually crying. How did uh, how did the relationship end? How, she she ended. Uh, 
entered Valentine's Day 1972. Yeah, and no, I know that, but how? I want to know how it happened. On Valentine's Day. She decided to end it. But what did she say to you? What was her her reasoning? Well, we weren't getting along at the end, and uh, it just wasn't working. So we both agreed mutually. But then she goes and does that a year and some odd months later. Ooh. That yeah, that's no, that's a rough one. I look, we've been there before. Nice. Yeah, she knew where I bowled. She went with me to bowl. You know, we were going out. You know, I had well. Now that you're saying it, I was I was dating this girl one time, and it was a new relationship, and I was all excited about it. And we were out. Uh, I was out with some work friends, mutual work friends. The girl that I was dating was not there. We were out of the bowling alley, oh. and I found out through one of the mutual work friends that this girl, unbeknownst to me, would started dating somebody else at the same time. And really? you talk about, yeah, my rage meter at the time, through the roof, infinite as well. Yeah, it right. ended. Mm-hmm. Poorly. <laughs> yeah, South. Those were the days, Stuart, reminiscing. Oh, of course. Were well, you kidding me? But the Giants? Yeah. Right. They, they had a better team back then with Eli. And, uh, but I don't know if Coughlin, Coughlin was a good coach also. But I'm saying Brian Dable is getting the most out of nothing with this team, except right. Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Now, if they get some receivers, then we could maybe see something, a glimmer of what Daniel Jones can really do with the football. I mean, I think he, he has, he has, he has all, he has, he can run, he can throw on the move, but the thing is, he has no one to throw to. And right. Like, uh, he needs, uh, uh, he needs like a guy like, oh, you know who he'd really be good with? Tyreek. Who, oh, yeah, well, I mean, obviously. Okay, but that's not... Hill, well, they'll, they'll, get, they'll get a weapon or two next year for him, and we'll be excited to see that with Daniel Jones and see if he can take his game to another level with those weapons. Or at least, forget his game, take the Giants' offense to another level. They exactly. need that. That's what they need. They yeah, don't, he doesn't need to take his game to another correct. level. Correct. He, but he needs to get the offense to another level where they can be a little bit more consistent and score some more or, or a little more explosive. Saquon right. Barkley is an explosive player, but... Uh, you know, the, they, their offensive line isn't that good either. Well, and that's what would worry me about this Minnesota game is that if the Vikings are clicking on offense, and who the hell knows if they're going to be clicking on offense well, with Kirk well, Cousins... What time does the game start? 4.30 Sunday. He's not going nowhere. Yeah. Kirk Cousins is a one o'clock play, and that's it. Yeah, right. And the later oh, the game gets, the worse he gets. Good, good, yeah. uh, worse he gets. Good call, Stuart, with that. But uh, uh, Sal, one more thing. Yeah, good. Uh, uh, Monday night. Yeah. <laughs> the Cowboys fan better start crying. Oh, you like the Bucks in that game, huh? There's only one person. There's only one person I don't bet against, and that's TB12. I don't right. bet against him, especially in the playoffs. Are you betting we, these games or what? No, I don't bet the games. Oh, you don't I'm bet any saying, games. If I were to bet, I would bet on Tampa. Oh, well, hypothetically. Here. Okay. One man. Right. Yeah, I've I, seen them do too many things too many times. I, I Me too, Stuart. And as you always... Saw, you, you, you know you saw that. Yeah, then. don't I, remind me. I mean, come I'm on. We're talking about exes. Now we're talking about 28-3. to three. I mean, what's going on here? I heard that score that day that the, well, they were, you guys were winning 28-3. to 3. I said, oh, another loss. Late third, oh. late third quarter, and thank you for the call, Stuart. As always, you make me laugh. You are, uh, that is funny. And I didn't mean to get too personal there, but I had to say it. You left it on the table. 
Um, but anyway, the 28 to three late third quarter, uh, lead in the Super Bowl, they blow a lead like that. You, you never recover from that as a fan. Anyway, Tom Brady, that was just one of his many great moments. I don't look at it. I know it's Brady. I know he's the greatest of all time, but I think Dallas is the better team. I'm confident in Dallas winning that game on Monday night. I'm not even taking any stock whatsoever in the commander's game. Dallas is the better team. Dallas is going to win that football game against the Bucs. I can assure you that will be one of my picks. Now, I got to go through the whole thing, what the perfect parlay is going to be tomorrow, in about 24 hours from now. 23 hours and 40 minutes from now, I think. Or 20 minutes from now, 23 hours and I don't know math. Jeff is calling from Long Island. What's up, Jeff? Hey, Sal. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I, I just had to call you because uh, – Listening to your story or running into your ex man, that just brought like the worst flashback I think ever. Oh, what happened? What do so, you got? All right, so uh, I had a a girlfriend that I used to go out with in high school, and you know she was a hot chick, mm-hmm. cheerleader type chick, and uh, we broke up before uh, you know graduation and all that. Mm-hmm. So six years later, I think I'm about like 24 years old. I get married, and uh, my wife is pregnant. Okay. She's probably like six months pregnant. And uh, they used to have this uh, free concert out at Flushing Meadow Park every summer for like freestyle music and all that. So me and my wife, my ex-wife, were big uh, freestyle music fans. So she wanted to go. Meanwhile, she's six months pregnant. I'm like, all right, we'll sit all the way in the back. I'll bring a chair for you. You know, we'll, uh, we won't be mixed in the crowd. So we go there. And all of a sudden... My ex-girlfriend from high school walks right by me, looking as hot as you could freaking imagine. <laughs> and now, you know, my ex-wife put on a couple of pounds. Oh, all right. She's pregnant. All her baby, yeah. And my ex comes up to me and, like, she greets me like this big kiss and hug. And I'm sitting there. My wife is looking at me. I can see the smoke coming out <laughs> of her eyes. And I'm standing there, and I'm trying to introduce her to my wife. And I'm like Jackie Gleason, Hamada Hamada Hamada. Yeah, I couldn't right. even remember her name. <laughs> you want to talk about uh, the biggest fight ever? We ended up having to leave. I had to leave the concert because she was so freaking pissed. Oh, man, I heard about that for like days and days. I was like, you're going to have this freaking baby right now. You need to calm down. Yeah. Well, that's but, that's one where it could be awkward if you are with your significant other. For me, yeah, that, that yeah. didn't happen. Um, but I could understand, I could understand your spot, right? Did you ever talk to your, uh, the ex again or, or that was it? No, 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 never. I actually never saw her again after that either. Isn't it? That was the only time, that was the only time I ever saw her again. Crazy. Isn't it? And thank you for the call, Jeff. And thank you for sharing the story. Isn't it crazy? I know this is life, but I've always thought it's very weird to me. And I get why it has to be like that, but it's always been weird to me that you can be, as close to somebody as people can be. And then all of a sudden, it's over. And that's it. Like, you only get one life. We're all in this thing together. We're here at the same time. And I don't know. I just wish it could be more cordial or maybe more acceptable to talk to people from the past. Like, I get why you you can't. But... I mean, you spend however many times you do with your ex, and then you just never see that person again? 
ever in life? Like, that's it? Weird. I, I always had uh, thoughts about that. But, you know, life goes on and, and people move on, obviously. And then, <laughs> and then you have random run-ins. Out of nowhere, 877-337-6666. Back to your calls on the other side. Jets fire LaFleur. That has been the main theme of the show so far. I think it's a huge mistake after just two years. Not that I think LaFleur is going to be the greatest offensive coordinator in the world moving forward, but it's not his fault. And it just, to me, shows it's not about LaFleur. It's about the dysfunction and the decision-making with the hierarchy in the Jets organization. And I'm not talking about Joe Douglas or Robert Sala. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. He's homered. Derek Jeter homers to tie the game. And there it is. Hit number 3,000. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Salakata back on the fan, 877-337-6666. Wild card weekend in the NFL. Cannot wait. 4.30, 8 o'clock. You get the two games on Saturday, then 1, 4, and 8 on Sunday, the Monday night game. Games galore. The only thing that sucks is no Tua and no Lamar Jackson. Whether you think that you know the Ravens are going to win that game anyway or whether the Dolphins are going to win that game anyway, Without Tua, that's a game where you don't. That is automatically the worst game on the board with the Bills and Dolphins. Don't even waste your time watching it type game. And very disappointing with Baltimore. I think Baltimore will be able to compete in that game. But if Lamar Jackson is there, you're talking about a chance to go win that game. And obviously, without him, they cannot. Bob is calling from Sayreville. What's up, Bob? Hi, good morning, Sal. How you doing? Good, Bob. How are you this morning? God, you just took my thunder away a little bit. I just was going to ask you, if you ever remember the last 10, 15 years of these playoffs coming up, where you have three third-string quarterbacks starting, and you think it's going to uh, affect the ratings anyway or whatever? And I got one small comment. No, you- yeah, I'll let you, go. I'll let you uh, continue here. I-, I don't think it's going to affect the ratings because people of the games feel going to be betting on the games regardless, but it does hurt the quality of the actual slate of the games. I mean, I don't think there's any way about it. Like I said, you look at the Baltimore-Cincinnati game in particular, if Lamar Jackson is playing, to me, that becomes the best game on the board. And if Tua is playing, all of a sudden Miami, who beat Buffalo earlier in the year, maybe they have a chance to compete in that game. But without him, forget it. Wow. Hey, my last comment is it doesn't doesn't deal with football, but when you get a chance, I'd like you to Google this old English rock group. It's called the Masonettes. And when you do, you're going to see the picture of the lead singer. It's going to be identical twin of somebody you work with very close. Just do that. Uh, point, what right? am I Googling here? The Masonettes? The Masonettes. It's in the early 80s. It's an English rock group. When we Google it, the face is going to come up as a lead oh, singer. Hold on a sec. Let's see what you got here. The Masonettes. Uh, right. How do you spell it? Because it's uh, not coming and, up. And I... M-A-S-O-N-E-T-T-E-E-S, something like that. All right, the Masonettes. Let's see. Uh, what do you think? It's Francesa? No, looks oh. identical. Gio, spitting image. He had a little hip when he grows his beard and his hair gets longer. Spitting um, image. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could see that now that you say it. And thank you for the call, Bob. Appreciate you checking in. 
Fleegs, you do this. What do you think of this? The Masonettes, Google it, their lead singer. My first thought was Francesa, but he's got a beard. I don't know if I see Gio in that, though. Oh, yeah, maybe that other picture. Uh, I guess I could see it. I guess I could see it a little bit. I don't know if I would say it's a spitting image of him. Um, Either way, interesting, interesting call there. I've never heard of the Masonettes. What do you think, Fleas? Looks like him or not really? Yeah, not really. I mean, initially, looking at it, it looked like I thought, I thought, Mike, if you take away the beard and the mustache. Anyway, where were we? Wild Card Weekend, I don't think the, you know, the excitement is not going to be hurt by it, by having the backup quarterbacks. The ratings are not going to be hurt by it, but... Going into those games, if you're, you know, A, a fan of those teams, you know you have no chance. And B, well, look, the point spread is going to make any game interesting. But you're just not as, you know, you're not as into those games as you would be normally. The weekend's going to be great regardless. Games are games, so it doesn't matter, you know, going in, uh, you know, how it's going to, how you assume it's going to go going in. It would be better, though, if Tua was playing. I mean, I don't think there's any question about it. Did anybody think Miami's going to win that game? They'd have a hard time winning with Tua. I guarantee you most people wouldn't be picking them if Tua were playing. But without Tua, without Lamar, and it's not just two backup quarterbacks. You're talking about those two guys. I mean, Tua, for a large portion of this year, when he was healthy, was playing like an MVP. He was playing at a very high level for Miami. I know he stunk in the Green Bay game, and then you wonder how much of that was him being injured. But he was playing at a high level. Lamar Jackson, one of the best, most exciting quarterbacks in a league. And if he's going well, Baltimore can go all the way. But without him, they're going to be up against it. And you look at the games, Geno Smith and Purdy. Then you have the best quarterback game on the board with Herbert and Lawrence, two young studs, Herbert and Lawrence on Saturday night. Obviously, no Tua, so that game stinks. Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins. You know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful here, but come on. And then, you know, Burrow versus the backup in Baltimore, so you're losing Lamar. And then Dak and Brady. I mean, obviously, Brady, you know, the the guy. But look at the quarterbacks. It used to be... All top quarterbacks in the postseason. And now you're seeing three backups, Geno Smith, and a, uh, this is going to tick Giant fans off, and I'm not trying to do that, but a mediocre matchup with Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones. Guys who were, you know, know, middle of the pack. Top middle maybe, but middle of the pack quarterbacks. Steve is calling from Lacey. What's up, Steve? Sal works hard for the money. Uh, So hard for the money. Yeah. So hard for the money, so you better treat him right. Oh, I love it, Steve. I love it. What's up, buddy? Yeah, that's not bad. Brian works all over. Yeah, how was the game tonight? A little little too close for comfort on 34th Street. (laughs) Jeez. Yeah, yeah. 25-point lead. In more ways than one. Oh, you're talking about the lead. Oh, okay. Well, no, no. Well, no, no, I'm going to tell, trust me, I'm going to touch on that, because that's why I had to call in quick, is your ex story. I just all of a sudden thought, years ago, when we were talking on CBS, 
about what you said to your ex about, you know, I could see you telling her my family. You just never told me what you were bringing to the table. That was a first date. That wasn't even, we didn't even get to be oh, dating. Okay. Yeah. I was say, that girl was a first thought, date. I was like, <laughs> well, what do you bring to the table? <laughs> you just never told me. And when, that's why we're not together. Uh, oh my God. That was a great line. That was a tonight. Yeah, that was fantastic. That was the game. Uh, it was good. I mean, the Garden crowd was pretty good. Uh, the Knicks themselves played well through the first three quarters. Obviously, they're going to make it interesting in the fourth quarter where they start to give up that lead a little bit, but they hung on yeah, and won. No, it was a good game. They did. Again, yeah, like you said, old school paces and, yeah, the old rivalry. But uh, I don't some like dope, got together was, with Hector. Some dope sitting in front of us, standing up every five minutes, wearing a Reggie Miller Pacers jersey. I mean, I wanted wow. to yell at the guy to sit hey. down, but I didn't want to get kicked out. You know, the Garden right, game. right. Yeah, they do. They get a little touchy these days. Yeah. <laughs> well, not that they are. All right. And I just, I really, I just, that's why I was, I'm listening to the show. Great show as usual. And uh, How'd you come up with the song? What, what What's the, like, what's the process coming up I, with the song for the night we, when you call? We just, anything I can, in, you know, mm. inject your name into or whether it be anything from Maddox, something to do with a dog who, oh, okay, dog, yeah. who let Maddox out. Just kind of, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a maybe it's a skill. I don't know. Yeah, I should well, uh, go gotta, into doing the record business. Yeah, all right. Well, you got to put together the album. I mean, I'm fine with that. If you want to put together the album, <laughs> the and, greatest hits. Yeah, and then we could just use them. Throw. We could just use your recordings. You don't even have to call. You could exactly. just stay asleep in the car. So, yeah, exactly. So I just wanted to say, Hank, it was fabulous that Hamlin's out of the hospital. I mean, I can't believe that. And um, me neither. I want to. That's fantastic that he's home and. So I just want to touch on that, and I did. I just thought of that line. Yeah, you just never told me what you were bringing to the table. So, hmm. all right, that's about it. Because I, I'm not a Michael Four guy, and I don't know. I told Fleegs. I'm, um, I'm, I'm just. But what do you want? What do you want him to do? I mean, what do you want no, the no, Jets no, to do? No, no, per, no, no. Per, I am not a Lafour guy. So I'm just saying, it's just sometimes like when I hear, if I hear you say, sometimes you want to stay the course. And other times, you know, maybe maybe we jump too quick. But this has been an ongoing thing for as long as I've been a Jets fan. I'm 56. I'm going to be 56. Right. Yeah. So that's my point. Why not change it up by staying course? The norm for the Jets has been to fire people every two years. Why not change it up by staying the course? By the way, now that they made this decision, might as well just blow it up. I mean, what's the – I want to know what the game plan is. What do they think they're going to win now next year? You, you said it yourself. I heard you say that. He's, he knows he's next, too. And it's just like, you know what, blow it up, and let's do that, right? Just But Woody – yeah, I just owners – we were talking about owners that get into, you know, meddling – as Fleas knew we're talking about, it's just never going to work out. It's just, and it's so frustrating. And I, yeah, I just sometimes let's stay the course. Let's try it. Let's try, you know, you keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. It's called insanity. Yeah, I, I don't, and I'm not saying that LaFleur is the right guy to stay the course with. And thank you for the call, Steve. As always, appreciate checking in. In this particular case, the way that things were set up from day one, Rookie head coach, rookie offensive coordinator, because the head coach picked him. You know, that's on Salah, too. Joe Douglas did the right thing by letting Robert Salah pick his staff. And Salah wanted to go with LaFleur. I wouldn't recommend it, but that's what they did.
But a rookie head coach, rookie offensive coordinator, rookie quarterback, that does not add up. What did you think was going to happen in the first two years? Especially after you saw Zach Wilson and LaFleur in week one, year one. Complete overmatch. Both. And now here we are where LaFleur's out. And Sala and Wilson are the last two standing. And you know how that's going to end. Neither of them are going to be here after next year. Because the Jets, they've proven consistent in a couple of areas. One, they're consistently never sniffed the playoffs. Two, there's constant change. Three, they consistently fail to develop franchise quarterbacks. Your official station to talk Jets. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. Back on the fan, 877-337-6666. Been mostly Jets, a little wild car weekend. Very little Knicks sprinkled in there. Knicks with a nice win uh, at the Garden against the Pacers last night. It is, uh, was at that game. You had the Mets releasing a statement, a uh, pretty brief statement at that, basically wishing Correa well, but you could tell Steve Cohen is angry. The Mets rumored to be interested in Andrew McCutcheon, Adam Duvall, Trey Mancini, I would anticipate them getting one of the above. I'm not sure which one it's going to be, but they'll get one of those three. And not that that move would do, um, you know, do the same that Carlos Correa would do for the Mets, but it still would help improve that offense. The big thing for the Mets is going to be similar to the Yankees, by the way, where they need one of Beatty or Alvarez to have significant impact on their roster. One of those two guys has to has an has to have an impact on that lineup. If they get that, and look, they could get both. You know, we talk about the Yankees with Peraza or Volpe or Cabrera. You want to throw in there? If these young kids can make an impact, at least one of them, that changes things. Phil is calling from Howell, New Jersey. What's up, Phil? Hey, sir. How you doing? Listen, I like to talk about the career situation. I really don't get this. I mean, you have two teams. The Giants and the Mets, who both found the similar, you know, concerns about his leg and actually took a pass on him. And then he goes, you know, he gets checked out by Minnesota. And excuse my language, he goes through some BS physical, mm. okay? And you know what? And they sign him. I mean, don't you from the other teams look really bad? Like, you know, like the fans, like, like what the hell is going on? What, what do you mean? Don't what look bad? Your your phone broke up on us there. I mean, it's like they, you know, they the fans would like, you know, be like, like I'm a Mets fan. I'm like, you know, really disappointed. I'm like, like, what the heck is going on here? I mean, at least Minnesota should have came out and said, you know what, we should, you know, we signed this guy. We understand the concerns and stuff like that, but we're taking a risk. Well, I mean, I think that they did so without actually saying that because you can't tell me that the Twins doctors didn't see anything, right? No, I mean, I'm saying they probably did, but they should have came right out and said, we signed this guy, 
with no special like thing in the contract, and we are taking a high end. Well, even yeah. they, but they did do the uh, the special contract or whatever you want to call it, uh, the vesting options. Depending on plate appearances, that could kick in. It could become instead of a six year deal, could get as high as a ten year deal for Correa. But the the reason why he went to Minnesota was the six years, two hundred million guaranteed, where that was more, far more than anyone else was willing to give. The Mets, I believe, were at one fifty seven. So you're talking about a difference of roughly forty million bucks. But Correa went for the most money and took the guaranteed money at two hundred million. Something is definitely wrong, though, Phil. You know it because if not, the Giants would have had him for three fifty. Exactly. But like my whole thing is like in the coming years, if he sustains the injury that the doctor said he might get, I mean somebody's got to be held liable. Well, what for Minnesota? You're saying? Yeah. Yeah, but they gave. You know, I mean, if you're t- if it happens in three years, I, I guess. I mean, look, it's hard for us to tell, Phil. First of all, even the people who saw the medical reports and in- anticipate whatever it is they're anticipating, you don't know. And you don't know the timeline if, when it's actually going to occur. Common sense would say, as we thought initially, well, the Mets aren't scared about Correa now. They would be scared off about Correa in year seven, eight, nine, ten, like those years. So those years now are out of the equation where it's only six years for the Twins. They believe it's going to hold up for six years. If it doesn't, they're going to look like fools. Okay, so listen, I appreciate your time. Yeah, right. no, no problem. <laughs> Yeah, happy new year to you and your family. You, you okay, too, Phil. Yeah, you too. I appreciate right, taking it. I mean, I, I know we all want to know the most info possible on this and why it happened the way that it did. But the reality is that Correa could not, you know, the Mets were not going to trust that Correa could keep his health up long term. If they did, they would have signed him. Think about how bad the physical had to be or what the recommendations were to Cohen for how bad that had to be to have their offer come down to 157 million bucks from 315. So clearly something is wrong. They're not going to be able to say it because you can't disclose that information. But think of how bad, I mean, if you just use your your head here, okay, well, why did the Mets offer come so far down? Why were they only willing to go to 157? To me, it would show clearly that they saw something seriously wrong. The Giants disappointed, right? I mean, they thought they had the player. Turns out they didn't. The Mets disappointed thought they had the player after the Giants had the player turns out they didn't and the twins not that they're looking the other way but maybe they you know extended a little bit more than the others would have because they knew that's what they had to do to be able to retain Correa just a bizarre circumstance guy agrees to deals with three different teams in one offseason And wants to say that 
Yeah, well, doctors could be different. Apparently. But you can't say that the Twins doctors didn't have any concerns. Because, like I said, if they didn't, why would they then put the vesting options in? So clearly there were concerns there from Minnesota as well, just not to the level. And I don't think the Giants had a real chance. And I'm not sure even if they were given the chance, would they get back in? I forget what the latest was with that. But initially, it was the Giants turning down, or not turning down, but postponing the announcement of Correa um, and their big deal because of medical concerns. Then Cohen quickly pivoted really without, you know, it seems like without even talking to San Fran or waiting to see what exactly was going on, he basically said, screw you, I'm going to go talk to Steve Cohen and get him involved. Cohen then agrees to that $315 million, which is significantly less than what he got from the Giants, and then he takes even less to go back to the Twins. So just a bizarre circumstance and one that we'll truly never know of. And I don't even know if you can sit there and say in the future, oh, well, Correa played X amount of games or Correa you know, got hurt, so he's not worth that. I don't know if you could look at it that way. Just right now in the moment, would you trust Carlos Correa enough to give him the six years, $200 million that Minnesota gave him? Or would you trust what the Mets did and what the Giants did? And as badly as I would have loved to have seen the Mets get Correa, they did the right thing. You cannot take that type of risk, even though Cohen could eat it, you know, eat the money if something went wrong. But you can't take that type of risk on a long... It's just a bad investment. That's the thing. You could make bad signings. You don't want to make bad investments. And to invest that... You know, like a bad signing is Jed Lowry. Actually, that's beyond bad. That's BBY. Right. Lowry and I I think they were both going to be number four, too. Correa, Fleegs told me in my headset, Correa and Lowry had the same number of hits as Mets. I wish I saw it earlier because I would have used it on Baseball Night in New York on, was it Tuesday that Correa announced? Yeah, on Tuesday, where apparently on this date in Mets history on Tuesday was the signing of Jed Lowry. And if I would have used it during the show, on the day that Correa decided to go to Minnesota, I could have said, well, could be worse. It's bad, but it could be worse. Jed Lowry. Jed Lowry. Anyway, you can make bad signings. Jed Lowry, bad signing. Thought the player was going to be productive, can never stay healthy, whatever. Turned out to be a bad signing. A bad investment is a totally different thing. And I feel like, and we can debate this all year long, and I'm sure that we will still continue to have debates about it throughout the course of the offseason, maybe even in-season. A bad investment would have been to overextend for a guy who you truly don't believe can stay healthy enough. But again, it's all, you know, it's all guesses, really. Now, in the doctor's case, it may be educated guesses, but it's all guesses. Same way that you could predict he's going to get hurt or going to fade at some point. Who knows? Maybe he stays course. 
and doesn't get hurt. Or Minnesota could think that six years is going to be great, and then he ends up playing one of them, and he gets hurt the, the five. Then what? Then will Cohen be an idiot? I mean, we don't you, know, you don't know how it's going to play out, but you can't make your opinion now or feelings now based on results because we have no idea how the results are going to be. You just have to you know do the math, use a little common sense, and say, all right, well, you know, figure that something is clearly wrong. You know, Marco and I argued about this yesterday, but you think about it, Marco. Regardless of where we stand, mm-hmm. as far as should the Mets have extended themselves to the level that the Twins did, right. there's no debating that there is at least some kind of an issue because this is a $300 million player that was agreed to a 350, then it came down to 315, and then all the way down to two. Like, yeah, no doubt. So there's something there. Something is something, wrong. Something's definitely wrong. And yes. Boris, and they don't have to say it, but like. The fact that Boris would accept the $200 million means that he knows, A, he's not getting anywhere near more than that, and B, this is his last chance. To, like, somebody called earlier and said, what about the Mets giving, like, three years $100 million? Or, or maybe well, two years $100 million, whatever, like, the highest AAV would be. I don't think they wanted to go down that road anymore for obviously what's going on with that physical, what's with the ankle, and what all that story is. Plus, remember last year, he took a one, basically a one-year deal, bet on himself to get another one. Correct. That's what you I'm really saying. think he wanted to go another three years and well, then something happens with the ankle? Well, no. That's, that's the point. They weren't rolling the dice anymore. Well, this that's it. the point. This was this it, was it for them. This is it. So, so with all that being said, like if Boris said, you know what, screw you guys, you don't know what you're talking about, we'll have another prove it year. It was never going to happen for him. He can no. go out there and have a monster year. They're never getting that big contract. And, and the, I mean, look, did Boris contact every team? Yes. There's of no way. he did. Yeah. He talked to everyone. He knew no one else was going to go higher than this bid. Right. And that's what they took. And that they took the guaranteed money. And you know what? I can't, I can't blame, blame them for that. No, but I think it just speaks more to that. You know. You were taking like a chance. There is a gamble on this now, which is serious. different than it was. Yeah. Now, we didn't hear any of this last year right. when Correa... Now, granted, the lockout, it was a short period of time. He basically took a one-year deal. But, yeah, but it's the same doctors with the Twins, too. Maybe they're just stupid. Uh, see, I, I find a hard time believing that. I think it's just the idea that they're more comfortable with it, whatever it is. Because this is obvious, This is an injury that happened in 2014. It's a surgery from 2014, right. whatever plate right. that you said by the ankle, whatever yeah. it is. Now, I don't know anything about any of that stuff, but it's been there... For almost 10 years. So it hasn't been an issue yet. Now, obviously, some doctors feel like it's going to be soon. Now, the question is when and how right. much. And yeah, and, and it's the difference of, look, you're paying $300 million or $280 million, whatever, for a shortstop slash third baseman. You're not paying that for a 33-year-old DH who's hobbled. Right. Can you so imagine? So it makes a difference. A 12-year deal? God. No, that makes a major difference, which is why, again, it's the idea of when are you rolling the dice. If you're talking about from six years, 28 to 34, even if he's a little banged up, he can still play short or third, and I could still get the most out of him because his athleticism is a big part of why I want him. He's not just a big bopper, 45 homers and 150 RBIs. That's not his game. So you're rolling the dice that you're going to get that. The back end of that deal, he's not a 40-homer guy. If he can't play the field... And if he's limited and he's your DH, that's no longer a, a deal that anybody would make in by, their right mind. By the way, we look at it because in comparison to a 10, 12-year deal, we look at six like, oh, it's only six years. Six years is a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, the 10-year deals, those are 
I know that it seems like there's been a lot, but those are not the norm. You're talking seven, eight years, whatever. Like even Judge didn't get you know the tenth year or whatever. Like I know his age or whatever, but right. those those years, those deals are not the norm. Six years is a significant amount of time to commit to somebody. It is, but at the same time, again, thirty-four. If you any guy that you're talking about that's got a track record, mm-hmm. that's proven, that's a good player, that is somebody that you want, and you think that's going to help your ball club. Do you ever blink when you say the, the contract's going to end when he's thirty-four? No, you go, no, I got I got the best of his career. Right. I don't have to take any of the garbage on the back end because that's roughly where we think it tails off. Thirty-five. Do you, if you had to guess right now? Do you think Correa will play in the majors after year 34? Yes. Okay. Do I think he's still going to be Carlos Correa? That's when do you story. when do you think we stop seeing Carlos? I mean, again, it's just Who a total knows? guess. Yeah, but still. I, I, I based think, on based on what we know, which is that there's definitely something there. Yeah. And being in Minnesota where he can kind of hide a little bit, I do think you'll get three or four good years out of him easy. All right. Well, for his sake, like I said, this is a spot where can't blame the Mets. Can't blame Correa or Boris for taking the most guaranteed money and the one chance that they have to cash in.